thought capital. Longer drought, more extreme rainfall. These risks impact companies financially. We all face the costs of dirty products we use. This season is all about the clean economy. We can do it. It's a brilliant economic solution to a severe environmental problem. I'm optimistic. You probably waste less money. Tax is a powerful tool. Learn, explore and change with Thought Capital from Monash Business School in Melbourne, Australia. I'm Michael Pascoe. The demand for sustainable investments is here to stay, and it's growing. Investors are increasingly putting their capital to work to have a positive impact on society. When government policies change to combat climate change, investors follow. Sometimes investors lead the way as they try to align their values and personal priorities with their investments. But how can we trust that investments are truly sustainable, and how can this contribute to a clean economy? And how does sustainable investment compare with other forms of investment? Two people who have seen this development throughout their careers in the finance industry are Professor Deep Kapoor, Director of the Monash Centre for Financial Studies, and Andre Roberts, Senior Portfolio Manager at investment firm Invesco. Welcome. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, let's start by clarifying what sustainable investment is. And when someone says their fund is ethically managed, what does that mean? Deep, would you like to go first? Thank you, Michael. Sustainable investment is an umbrella term that is applied to investment approaches that broadly consider environmental, social, and governance or ESG issues in assessing prospective risk and return. Examples of ESG issues would be considering risks from climate change, transition to a low carbon economy, the energy and material efficiency of industrial production, for example. And then on the other side, modern slavery risks in the supply chain. One example, senior executive compensation. Is it aligned with stakeholders? It's actually a very, very long list. The difference between sustainable and ethical investments, is there? What I would say, Michael, is the sustainable funds, as we are encouraged to consider them, have a definite stated objective of what sustainability-orientated goal is the fund stating to achieve. It could be climate change. It could be more society-orientated objectives. Ethical, on the other hand, is certainly similar, but it is more about the approach that the investor is using. So it doesn't necessarily define specific goals as the sustainable fund needs to do these days, but it is, just speaks to more of a philosophy that the investment manager often takes, and that will be the ethics of what they do. Um, it can be very similar to a sustainable fund, but doesn't need to be. You know, if we start thinking about individual companies, this might become a bit clearer. So take okay. the example of Facebook. An ethical investment fund may not own Facebook for you know, reasons related to their influence on social media and young people, etc. However, a sustainable investment fund that is focused on creating a portfolio that has a low carbon footprint might well own Facebook in preference to Woodside Petroleum. So when you start looking under the hood, it does become quite interesting, to put it mildly. And ethical funds 
are probably, we don't want to invest in this basket of companies. A sustainable fund may well invest in some of those companies, but go and talk to management and say, look, uh, we don't think this is the right way to run your business. You might want to consider doing something else. Well, how can I be sure my investments are sustainable? Right. This is, again, where we've seen some good improvement recently. This label that uh, we, we, we attach to a fund is encouraged to meet specific guidelines, right? And when the label includes something like, my objective is to have a lower carbon footprint, that should be something specific and you should be able to demonstrate that the fund actually does achieve that. Now, how do you know that the investment is sustainable? Is that the sustainable fund will have that objective delivered in line with the metrics that it proposes to measure the outcome, right? Where it gets a little murkier, as Deep sort of gave some examples, underneath the hood, there might be some differences. So is every individual investment in a sustainable fund always going to be sustainable? I think there are trade-offs and some bigger picture ideas. Sometimes you could have a mining company in a sustainable fund because they are on a good trajectory to improving and adapting to a new environment. There's still that question of faith and proof about whether something is sustainable. Honey inevitably attracts flies. If the sustainable badge is attracting cash, it will inevitably attract dodgy brothers incorporated as well as genuine players. We're seeing that Mm -hmm. in the carbon offsets industry. Is there any enforcement out there at all of sustainable investment claims? Yeah, look, that's a really good point you make because if the industry is going to rely on something like carbon offsets to justify its extractive side, then you'd want to be assured that the offsets are doing what they're meant to do. And if there are dodgy brothers involved in the process of generating offsets, then that would be a real concern. So yes, there is meant to be an industry that interrogates and ensures the credibility from the reporting because we do need to weed this out if that is occurring. Deep, is there any way for me to feel confident about my sustainable investment really being sustainable? Look, depends on who is the provider of the service to some extent. But the reality is that the boat has sailed in the sense that this is the preference of most investors. And you cannot forever get away with just slapping a label. That was fine a few years ago. But I think now there are enough journalists, analysts, and others who are looking at what is in your portfolio, you know, disclose what you own, progress is being made. The Securities and Exchange Commission in the U.S. announced that they are proposing that U.S. registered companies will need to disclose their carbon emissions, scope one, two, and three, and actually have that audited. Mm. Now, is there accounting fraud? Yes. Do the big four sometimes sign off on accounts which later on turn out to be not accurate. So I'm sure those things will happen, but at least there is progress. Once we know that, you know, you your scope three emissions is X, there will be people monitoring and watching. It's not even remotely perfect, but my observation is it's getting better. 
Okay, so there's uh, obviously a lot of trust involved at this stage, but if I'm trusting, how much impact does my little investment really have if I try to put it with a sustainable investment manager? Andre? As an investment manager, your investment has a voice, okay? Knowing that you care about this space, I as an investment manager should advocate on behalf of my investors, my members, if I'm a super fund, right? And the advocacy that we've seen in the industry has just really taken a step change. And so that is where we go and engage with companies and say, hey, my investors want to see this, encourage the board and management in companies to move in the right direction. The encouragement can be via you know, shareholder proposals and, and proxy voting. And that certainly is an area where we do make a difference. But the preference <clears throat> of investors has been to retain an ownership rather than say, no, I'm not touching that company. I want to invest in this and see improvement. And that's where you as an investor can make a difference, you know, by putting your vote, your ownership of our fund is, a, is another vote, right? And that we uh, certainly apply that very carefully. As an investment manager, do you see much greenwashing and how do you overcome it? It is a, a fair criticism because of, if you mentioned Dodgy Brothers before, you will imagine that there are those that slap labels on things uh, to attract bees, like honey. This is, again, where the regulation should really step up to prevent that. You know, we all know of the direction it should go, but it hasn't been here in Australia yet. Greenwashing is a criticism that is such that do we really have a, a responsible or a sustainable fund? Do we have regulation that would require us to meet certain hurdles to be able to put that label on the fund? That would mitigate greenwashing in my mind. The other part is you touched on the carbon credits, another area where greenwashing can, you know, at the company level, rear its head. If the credits are not credible, it doesn't help anyone. In fact, it's quite detrimental. And, uh, and greenwashing is, a, is a probably a consequence of all of that regulation will assist and uh, we, we yearn for, for more clarity on that fund in the Australian market. Now, it's all very well to want to be nice, but does it pay? Sustainable investment, does it lag other options? It's fair to say that the amount of history we have in our marketplace so far hasn't got strong evidence of sustainable funds doing any worse let alone any better um, at this point. What we're seeing is that including sustainable risk controls gives you a better risk for return outcome. What I would say going forward, it would make sense to me that investing in sustainability potentially have better outcomes from a return objective because it has a correlation with companies' quality management. Not to mention now a tailwind that we're seeing from investors who want to identify names that have better ESG credentials. I'm not sure I completely agree with, with your perspective that on a forward-looking basis, you know, sustainable investing will, will do better. I, mean, I agree with you. It may not do worse, but we don't have enough data. We don't have That's consistent ways of evaluating yeah, you know, I agree with that. B. And then, and you know, now everybody wants to own sustainable investments and bidding the price up. And at some point in time, expensive stocks provide lower returns. And it's going to take years. I would say about 3,000 academic papers have already been written on ESG investing, and there is no consensus. 
But as I was saying earlier, the reality is it's a preference for many clients. So I think five, 10 years out, what will probably happen if this trend continues is that the mainstream indices that are used to benchmark will be replaced by something else. So there'll be an ASX 200 sustainable index. And Andre, when you're running your sustainable fund, you will be expected to do better than that. Now, yes. whether ASX 200 sustainable is better than ASX unsustainable, Regular. if we want to call it. <laughs> And the other thing I have also observed in my career that before ESG, the acronym was invented, I have met many managers who actually took these issues into consideration. You know, like you said, that if it's a quality company, quality management that cared about its employees and stakeholders, they were often preferred by portfolio managers who had not heard about ESG, you know, making the bet that Right. If you're treating your customers right, if you're treating your employees right, if you're doing the right thing by everyone, then you're more likely to be able to succeed in the marketplace rather than ripping people's heads off. It is still a niche sector of the market. How rapidly is it changing? Oh, wow. It has been a niche. It's certainly come to Australia in, a, in, a, in the last, I'm going I'm to say, five years in a hurry. It's been around for a long time, but really accelerated in the last five. The biggest thing that's changing at the moment, more than just equities, is becoming more fixed income orientated. Now, to me, when that trend gets going, that means you have just about every investment option looking with a sustainable lens. It has deeper impacts into companies. As a company, your finance might be predicated on your ESG credentials. That starts to make a difference, I think, as well. So it's accelerating and, and I can't see it slowing at all, Michael. Is there also an element of companies not particularly wanting to be good, but not wanting to be embarrassed by being caught out being bad? Do sustainable investors have that sort of byproduct effect on corporations. Andre referred to some of the work at Monash that we've done on, on modern slavery disclosure following legislation in Australia. Mm. And, and, you know, the work is not super rocket science or anything, although there were three PhDs who put it all together. But it took 300, the largest 300 listed Australian companies and analyzed the statements that were filed with the Australian border force and then gave like a credit rating agency assigns letter grades. It graded the companies from A to F. And over the last two or three months, we have been receiving calls from companies who have been graded, you know, D, E, and F saying, oh, you know, Superfund X rang us up and said, what is your plan to go from F to A? Mm. And please teach us. And so a lot of these companies have been embarrassed. And this is, this is not, you know, F doesn't mean that you've got modern slavery in your supply chain. All it means is that you haven't disclosed, you haven't analyzed, you haven't looked under the hood and reported the way that the, the government wants you to report. So I'm certainly seeing that many of these companies are actually coming to us with a genuine query, like, you know, 
this is the first time we did it. We didn't know what to do. Can you can you help us do a better job? So I think there's a lot of community goodwill and, you know, interest on both the investor and the investee company side to do a better job. Where do you think regulation is headed? Well, I can only continue the trend, you know, that we've seen. When you see the U.S. making statements, Steve mentioned the, the SEC, that's encouraging, right? I know many companies are already acting in the appropriate way, but now when there's regulation and audit associated with that, that's, I think, uh, an important step. And so I see regulation increasing in line with what we've seen out of EU and Europe and now US, not to mention Hong Kong and Singapore. And China as well. True, absolutely, in China, which is a big one. And Australia is just, whilst many investors here are already acting in the right ways, we just haven't got the regulatory support outside of a few policy areas as Deep's been speaking mm. to. So it'll, it'll increase, which will be welcomed because most people will be able to already support the, uh, the, the requirements. They're already acting in this way. Within the very broad spectrum of what sustainable investment is, what do you see as the hot buttons at the moment? Carbon? What else? Well, carbon is the hottest button and has been for a little while. It certainly accelerated again with uh, COP26 and the net zero conversation. And so now the hottest topic is how can I invest with a net zero objective, right? And um, we appreciate that there's a pathway, you know, there's 25 years to go before we really have this end date. But in the meantime, how do you get there? Can you have a net zero portfolio already? What do you give up if you strive for net zero today? This is the conversation that people are asking for, probably the hottest button. Mm. The biggest trend outside of net zero is in the S, you know, that's social space, whether it's human rights and diversity. That's probably Mm. where we'll see a growth in initiatives where sustainable funds that have those objectives will, will be appearing in Australia if they're not here already. I think the S part and the G part will be easier to handle. I broadly agree with with Andre that there's probably going to be, even within that sustainability space, you might start to see specialization. Also, I think it's a lot easier to create a portfolio which has good S characteristics because the climate part is so hard you know, mathematically, it's very difficult. And then you run into all these, you know, other problems. Let's say, you know, you create a fund which says I'm low carbon and I'm going to reduce my carbon footprint by 50% in three years. If you wanted to do that, you can't own a lot of things. And if everybody stopped owning those things, those things might be owned by, you know, governments and government-linked entities who are not friendly to us. You know, imagine Gazprom being owning Woodside Petroleum. That's probably not a good outcome for, for Australia. Through the powers I'm giving myself, uh, I'm putting you both in charge. What would you like to see change? What would you change? Can I go first, Steve? <laughs> I would like to uh, have that uh, political will to unambiguously support, you know, sustainable investing and having investors have confidence that the, what they're buying is actually true to label. That kind of disclosure uh, and regulation supporting that is the kind of will, political will that I'm, I'm looking for uh, that will improve the outcome for investors. Prime Minister Deep, what would you like to do? I would like to have a global US dollar 100 carbon tax and mm-hmm. use that money 
to develop a universal basic income program that protects the people whose pockets would be badly affected if you had that tax. That will lead to behavior change. You know, $100 carbon tax, yes, it'll hit my pocket, but I can manage. But there are a lot of people who are not in that position. I think economically it can be done. It sounds a bit utopian, but $100 carbon tax plus universal basic income is what I would do if I had the power. Will it result in a clean economy? Does sustainable investing deliver a clean economy? But yeah, I think that the low carbon objective can be met in our economy with better regulation and a focused effort from investors. I think we'll get a cleaner economy. I don't know how clean it's going to be. I mean, there's only so much which investors can do, right? I'm not a believer in big government or anything, but these days it's quite fashionable to criticize Milton Friedman and his, you know, whatever 1970 paper, which said that the job of company management and, and the board of directors is to focus on only one thing, which is to maximize profits. And people have forgotten in the same paper, he said, the maximization of profits should take place in the context of rules that are set by the government. And those rules should be set for the betterment of society. Right. That piece we have completely forgotten well, money always talks. Let's see where the money flows. We might get a better conversation. Professor Deep Kapoor and Andre Roberts, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you to Professor Deep Kapoor and Andre Roberts for being on the show. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Thought Capital was written and produced by Tina Zanu. Editing by Nadia Hume. Our executive producer is Helen Westerman. 